Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. You're grinning too much, Adam. That's a it's happy Adam. Me right, stop. Really <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm not going to. It was uh, making my face hurt anyway. It's because he's looking at Bruce Campbell now. Yeah. Sure. Right. Makes so, me happy. It's a little bit too late for this now, but there will be spoilers. There will be swearing. <gasps> Um, only spoilers on the main event. We don't do it on the uh, what we've been watching, which is well, how we, we, we try not to, unless unless we get really excited, or we get. We, tr- we try not to. We try not to, unless Lee goes, "Fuck it, I will spoil it because it's shit." <laughs> I do that quite a lot. I'm such an asshole. I really am. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to live with me. Um, we we don't. No, 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 you're not honest. <laughs> So uh, this evening's main event is, because this is our Halloween episode, this is the episode we are releasing nearest to Halloween. So for our Halloween episode, Adam has quite rightly reminded us that we haven't covered one of the best horror films, um, period. Um, Honestly, right, every time we cover a film, probably like this one, then I think, what was wrong with these two? And then I look back (laughs) at what we've covered, I'm like, no, fair play. Yeah. It's, it's too difficult. There's How can no, they choose between all this? It's a big pile, mate. You know. Yeah. The problem and is, though, it's not as big as the pile of crap that we managed to get you to avoid. <laughs> like, if you sat through that, that's the problem. If you picked out the, if you sat through the nine crap films to get to the good one, you'd look as old as we do, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> also, it has to be said, we covered Evil Dead in. Uh, March 2019. Oh, and we're usually a bit quicker in getting to the sequels on stuff, <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's it's been a while. There's the the world is significantly different, especially because I found my my Blu-ray box of the Evil Dead was still in the cellophane because obviously <laughs> we must have watched Evil Dead together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, we watched it here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you remember them days when we used to sit together and drink beer and then record? Yeah. And then oh. once we'd recorded, we'd play touching games and <laughs> sitting so, up in the back row. Yeah. Now it's just a now it's just a quick fumble with a uh, relative flow test. <laughs> <laughs> right. So to get the tea now, I feel awful now saying this after what we've just been discussing, but. We do have a massive congratulations to throw out to friend of the show, Joe. Um, him and his yes. good lady wife have just had a child. Congratulations. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. Yes. Full sprog droppage. And yeah. uh, congratulations. And uh, also, very sweet, he did actually message us to say, sorry, I hadn't got around to listening to the episode until just now. And it's like, you, yeah. you, you were... You, you know, you were, birth was taking place, and fr- frankly, you can prioritize that if if you yeah, really need you know, to. We 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 won't take offence. Uh, so, but I tell we're you not. What, an, go on. No, I was just going to say we're not your employer. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we won't we won't take offence that you've had a child. So. <laughs> um, but what I did realise the other day, actually, that I do want to put the question out and and have joe let us know so i i I don't feel see normally i avoid using people's surnames like i don't use any of our surnames um not because we've done anything but just because you know there's no need to um, protect the innocent and uphold the law exactly um but his name is his username on uh 
Instagram, so I don't mind so much. So Joe Watson, but I suddenly realised, I don't know if Joe Watson is his real name because recently listening back to a, um, a ghost podcast I listened to and they were discussing the Enfield haunting and the name that the ghost gave the young girl in that obviously bullshit haunting um, was Joe Watson. So I don't know if that's his mm. real name or if like us, he's a nerd who has just gone, that's a great name to use, you know, a bit like Indrid Cold. So so let's know, so this is an Ask Joe Watson. Yes, Ask Hashtag Joe Watson. Ask, ask Joe Watson. Or also, is Joe Watson his real name and he's going to, when he dies, go back in time, Terminator style and haunt some people in Enfield? That could be interesting. It's, it's when you read the, the byline on his Instagram page and it says, I had an average in a chair. <laughs> that you might get the inkling that he is taking it from the Enfield Poltergeist. I don't know. Uh, sorry to embarrass you, Joe, but there you go. It's clearly, I think Lee's just had too much time on his hands. He's been overthinking <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been, except I discovered a new uh, series of films. This morning. I'll cover it in what, what, what I've been watching. I discovered a new series of films this morning and watched two of the three films just today. <laughs> so uh, I have got too much time on my hands. That is I a can, busy day. I can see a box set artwork cover from Arrow and immediately spend three hours of my day just watching <laughs> Japanese horror. Damn so, pandemic. Well, yeah, we'll come back to that. Chris, what have yes. you been watching? I have been watching something that somebody recommended and it could well be you it's mm. the lego star wars Yay. uh what's it called lego star L- wars halloween tales of terror tales of terror that's the one yeah no um I, we looked at it we thought yeah this this looks probably child friendly they've seen the other two lego films we haven't seen the lego batman though I don't know that's if that, very, that uh, it's not steps, as good as the Lego films, out. but it's oh, okay. good. Still good. Yeah. All right. So, you know, Lego's doing a good job here. Disney still doing a good job. Um, I, just, I, like, I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, it, it, what was it? Actually, it showed me the, the uh, Darth Maul backstory, which I quite, I do quite like the fact that they poke fun at the, yeah, the stories. You know, that could perhaps be taken either way by different people, but I quite enjoy that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so, so, yeah, that was good to see Darth Maul going down to, uh, I can't remember the planet name, but the, uh, is it the Night Sisters? Yes. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. I don't exactly know what they are. Like, then they're, because it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, you don't, there hasn't been magical or supernatural types in Star Wars, as they're aside from Jedi and Sith. Yeah. So, I think, I mean, how this, do they fit this in? Is, this is where we need. This is where we yes, need. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, prowess. So yeah. So we probably I, should I, cover this. Yeah. One day I, think on... I, I, I too watched it as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And thought it was rather fun yeah. as well. Um, although at one point Claire said, "Why is the best impression in this Watto? <laughs> you know, the flappy blue elephant man." <laughs> Yeah, and I pointed out that it's probably the same bloke because yeah. they all <laughs> could because Phantom Menace is all like proper voiceover artists doing it rather than oh I'm mates with I'm 
I live three doors down from Eli Ross and he wants a part in it. Can he, can he be a stormtrooper? Um, but now, who is the voice of the Emperor? Because is it Stewie? Like, it can't be, can it? But does it no, not sound like him? That's, that's who I It does sound of. like him. At, f- yeah. at first, I thought it might have been Mark Hamill. But mm, it's not. Uh, okay. Because it sounded a bit like he's joking. Yeah. He, does, he does do some impressive voices, Mark mm, Hamill. Yeah, he does. He's, he's a talented man. And it would make sense because then at least you have your Luke Skywalker covered as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Excellent, cool. So, well done for catching up on that, Adam. What have you been watching? Literally that. <laughs> uh, I watched that. Now, did that did Ted enjoy it? <laughs> did watch you with Ted? Oh, right. okay. <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely just got uh, the best way I can describe it is uh, that bit in Alan Partridge where he goes, uh, I'll be honest with you, Lynn, I'm at a loose end. So I just got completely, <laughs> uh, and in the end, it was like, so I watched that and then Monk and Canatella videos and oh. um, bits of This Is Gintsy and stuff like that, just because. I genuinely could not think of what to watch. So, um, but yes, but I did watch uh, the terrifying tales, and um, was and found most heartily that I did laugh. Mm. So yes, so I wrote um, down that I really enjoyed it, but I've got this not to be too typical, but yeah, at the time it had just happened at the time, so I didn't realise everybody had this ridiculous cold that I had and still have. Mm. Um, yeah, yep. and it just wiped my memory of the evening. I remember putting it on. I remember the first five minutes. And beyond that, I've just got my notes to go by. It knocked me out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's it's quite fun to, to be sharing again in terms of disease, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and even, you know, despicable attitudes at work. It's nice that people are feeling able to share them. So, but... Um, <laughs> There was a bit of a time when we were sort of grouping together as a, you know, a unified species, but that's all gone now. Oh, yeah, no, fuck that. It's back to pull the ladder up, Jack, and fuck the rest. Yeah. But, um, but yes, unfortunately, because uh, the box set of, uh, Blu-ray box set of Trial of a Time Lord came out. So I've mostly been watching that. So <laughs> That is absolutely fair. <laughs> this is not a job. It is a hobby, so don't feel obligated to overwatch stuff. To, to be honest, I think there's also an element where I've been like, everyone's been going on about Halloween. And I'm like, oh, I'm always watching horror films <laughs> and supernatural stuff. So in a weird way, I think I might have gone on holiday for Halloween. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, you know, just um, like, you know, Squid Game. Okay, you could, oh, asking for a friend. Uh, particularly as we could cover it, possibly if the answer is yes. Um, do you consider Predator a horror film, or could it be construed as a horror film? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah, that's no, just because um, Claire said the other day she hasn't seen Predator, so I was going to show her it at the weekend. But I was also thinking, yeah, we could probably cover that. But I think oh. we've got to cover Alien before we cover Predator, um, just out of sheer loyalty to the Xenomorph. I'm not going to lie, I prefer Predator. I know I'm that's in the fair. minority. No, that's, no, no. That's, that's difficult. I, now, I've seen Predator once and I saw it fairly late on, you know, in life. Mm. Uh, not when everyone else saw it. 
that's a big surprise. But um, but I don't yeah, and same for Alien. In fact, I'd seen Aliens. I hadn't seen Alien, and I don't know. That, that I, seems I, to be I, a lot of people. Yeah, well, I guess I was just age. old enough to kind mm. of get away with watching Aliens when it came out. Um, but obviously, Alien was a bit earlier, and so then it's like we. I guess you wouldn't rush to go back necessarily unless it, somebody said you've really got to watch this. Yeah, because apart from apart from Ripley, you don't really need mm. much of a. You, you don't need to have seen that to understand every fucking last yeah. nuance of Aliens, because Ripley comes out of cryo sleep and tells you mm. what happened. Yeah. So um, no, yeah. I, I actually I listened when going to sleep the other day. I listened to the Netflix documentary, the movies that made us. And I listened to the aliens episode mm-hmm. um, and it was really good. And I sort of think I should actually watch it properly because it was fascinating to hear um, like the director and the producer and how it all came about and how Fox were like, uh, yeah, we don't need Sigourney Weaver. And, you know, it was like, it nearly didn't happen. And then yeah. the fact that they stuck to it and they were like, no, we need Sigourney Weaver. And they sort of went behind Fox's back or something to get her. And, and obviously it turned out great because the people who knew what they were doing managed to do it. I cannot I cannot even contemplate the idea of the alien films without yeah. Ripley yeah. running through. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that... And again, that's that's another good thing you bring up, although I'm guessing none of us have seen it yet. I know I certainly haven't. Um, the latest season of uh, the movies that made us, just came mm. out and it is uh Halloween, Friday, and Elm Street. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. And then I realized I hadn't seen the ones from Christmas, so I haven't seen the Nightmare Before Christmas or Elf either. So <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to Christmas for a change. Oh. But yeah, and you mentioned Squid Game, I'd forgotten that I did actually watch that. I just sort of blitzed it <laughs> so quickly. And that, oh, and that was done, like that was that was nearly two weeks ago. Yeah, I got through them yeah. all, and and it, like fantastic. I would say everyone watch it. it. Like for me, every episode built on the previous in a good way that added something mm. new and sort of still felt like a cohesive story. And yeah, characters were good. Yeah, it's just like it was. It was way better than I was expecting. Um, even right up to the yeah. end, I, I liked it. And I, I think you said I was thinking this as I was watching it. You like, you know maybe don't make a, a second series because yeah, th- that I might take it, away from it. Yeah, let it, let it. Yeah. I would prefer it that it was just this thing that I watched over mm. the course of like four days. Yeah. That yeah. was fucking great for those four days. Mm. And then I can look back fondly on it. And yeah, in, absolutely. And enjoy all the memes of the, of uh, the old boy sitting on his own in the corner mm-hmm. uh, that are currently doing the rounds. But yeah, I I've think, luckily um, managed to avoid them because I haven't seen it yet. So uh, uh, it's, I mean, they're they're not spoilerific. They're just a, a, a man looking very alone. So, <laughs> but um, I mean, definitely recommended, but also definitely recommended before it becomes lazy spoofs mm-hmm. in stuff uh, in about a year. You know, you know the usual way where it's like sort of like you sort of oh. The BBC, look, BBC News have picked up on this trend that's online. That means it's over. Yeah. So, yeah. nice. Yeah, no, no, I definitely think it's worth a watch. Mm. Oh, I shall add it to the list. It won't be until after uh, Halloween, obviously, but uh, it's definitely next on the list. I think after Halloween. Mm. 
So speaking of which, uh, we've been cracking on through our Halloween watching. Um, unlike Adam, I had a, a different response, which was uh, I sat down with Lady Jennifer one night. Uh, we went to the local pub, which we literally never do, um, and decided as she had a pad and paper, we were going to go through all the films that we definitely wanted to watch for Halloween. So he said, mm-hmm. right, if we make a list of 10 films or so, that will give us enough to get through. It will give us a target and we'll do it. Uh, so 18 films later on the list, we are now struggling <laughs> to, to get through them all. Um, so the ones we've watched so far, um, Beetlejuice rewatched for the mm. first time in probably a decade. Holy shit, that film has me laughing so yeah. loud. It's it unbelievable. Is, it is too good. It's one of those films that it was amazing in the 80s and I can imagine it being very passable now. But actually, it's just like everything about it is it so good. Still works so well. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara and Michael Keaton just mm. walks away with. I mean, Winona Ryder's uh, portrayal of a an angsty teenage girl was fantastic, but the comedy yeah, yeah. from them two just absolutely slays me. Their delivery is incredible. I think it's also it comes from that lovely point where. Tim Burton hadn't gone twee. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh no, it's a twisted fairy tale rather than just a fairy tale. Yeah. And, and obviously, like like we've we said on our crossover episodes with Not For Everyone, it's also basically a weekend with Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just oh, so much fun. Loved every minute of it. Um I saw the new Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion. Mm. Oh, I've yet to watch that, yeah. Not a film, because it's 50 minutes long, which kind of pissed me off, because when it was first announced, it said an hour and a half on IMDb, the lying bastards. Um, But... Because they had to cut out all the Swedish chef, because he's got in trouble and he's been cancelled online for some uh, comments about the Holocaust, so, yeah. (laughs) Um... But yeah, like, I, I, I think the problem is I really, I, I definitely enjoyed it, but I am not the biggest fan of the Muppets. I'm not as big a fan as Wes. Like my, my knowledge of the Muppets is how much I love uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm. And so, oh, so what is, why is that different particularly? What is it about that that stands think, out for I you? I think it was just one of those. I haven't even seen the others, but Muppets Christmas mm. Carol for me came out Oh, I can't even remember. I think I was in my teens. I was too... I was older than I should have been to... I was older than when you show it to a child, but I wasn't old enough to be a parent showing it to a child yeah, either. Yeah, okay. Um, but just something about it just kind of sparked to me, and I was like, yeah, no, it's it's nice. It takes me back to a time in my childhood that's when everything's nice and lovely and soft and friendly. Um. And Christmas films hadn't done that for a long time. And I, yeah, it just really, I, I still believe that if it ever reaches Christmas Eve at midnight and I haven't yet watched Muppets Christmas Carol, we will end up in a perpetual Christmas Eve until such a point as I rectify it. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, it could be worse. We've, we've seen Krampus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I think I was. So you've up... not seen Muppets Treasure Island? No, I Change own that. it. I've not watched it yet. Change that because you'll love it, and it's but... got bloody Tim Curry in. Yeah, I think mm. when I said, I think Wes asked me before if I'd seen it, I said no, and he literally told me to fuck off, which <laughs> is perfectly acceptable. Adam, Adam was getting a bit of that look yeah. when he was. I, mean, I was, I was, I was bordering into it. I'm not. I'm not quite as militant as Wes. <laughs> no. yeah. Me and him rarely take a hard line on anything, but you know, the Muppets is definitely one. Um. So. Oh, and it's Claire. It's Claire's favourite Muppet film as well. Oh. Muppets Treasure yeah. Uh, so she'll get dropped as well. I'll definitely <laughs> watch it. There, it's it's one of them things. It's on my list, but mm. the amount of times I've suggested it to Jennifer, I've gone through all the things that are, that we've bought that we've not yet watched, and she always goes, "No." no. And you know when you've suggested something a dozen times and it's been turned down, you're like, "I'm not going to fucking mention it." And then it. once you stop well, mentioning yeah. it, you forget it exists. So right, the challenge is on. I'm I'm going to watch this before Lee, just so four of us can be aggro with him. Well, I'll just say this is a pointed message to both Claire and Dean. Yeah, same with Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe I'll fucking get <laughs> one day. How have you not seen Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy? Because I was being polite. I wanted to share it, and I was a fool. Oh, but it's so Admit- good, it makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, I did watch. I did. I did try and watch it with Ted because I thought, well, what's he going to do? He can't complain that much. Um, and then the, the opening dead parent bit was a bit sort of like yeah, yeah that, mate, that is mate, the uh... I, I don't want to have to explain this to a fucking two year old as he was then that is so, pretty much yeah. the only serious kind of bit yeah but unfortunately it's right at the start it's like yeah. oh, you know yes, it's yeah. like, sort of like, oh look at that heartwarming hilarious film about the square headed old twat yeah. and he's floating and the, out and the first bit but will you've kill got to kill his wife like, to start yeah. because it's because it's Disney, because it's Pixar, and they drink the tears of children. Yeah. So, uh, but luckily they don't do that on the Haunted Mansion. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to drag it back around, it, it, I mean, it, it's really good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, unfortunately, it didn't make me eight years old, but that is my only uh, my only problem with it. I think it's one of those things. If you showed it to a kid now, like. If you guys showed it to your kids, I think they would grow up with it being a Charlie Brown type mm. classic. It, um, yeah. But yeah, watching it as a 40 year old man, I was like, yeah, it was good. But yeah. um, let's move on from that. So, next thing, again, as I just said, as a 40 year old man, uh, Adam's Family 2, the animated version, finally got around to watching. If you enjoyed the first one, definitely watch it. It's every bit as good. <laughs> Uh, it's probably one of those I'll go back to every couple of years. It's definitely enjoyable. Yeah. You can watch it any time of the year. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and it's good. Did I enjoyed. I did enjoy the first. Like I did enjoy the first animated one because I'll be honest, I wasn't really that keen on the films, even though they've got excellent casts and everything. I was just, yeah, they're just a bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I they're a bit weekend golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas the it kind of works more with animation because they could do more over the top stupidity with it that they obviously couldn't mm. do. So yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And both of the films are enjoyable, but like once every seven or eight years, I wouldn't regularly get one. It's one of those you go back to rewatch it because you remember nothing about it rather than 
going back yeah. because of the things you remember. For you're not revisiting place. past glories. You're just right. I genuinely can't remember. I did see it. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. And I didn't hate it. So <laughs> I still own it, and I didn't throw it at somebody with, and shout words <laughs> at them. So therefore, it must have been good. Um, also, so I finally got round to watching the 1974 Dracula with Jack Palance. Oh, yes. I have avoided this forever because mm. as much as I love Dracula, I could not see Jack Palance ever playing Dracula. I was wrong. No. He was genuinely really well cast in this. And he, although he's a very different Dracula, it kind of worked in a funny way. And, and, and the supporting cast was fantastic as well. So, I mean, that definitely added to it. But yeah, I just, no, I think that's what you want, isn't it? Though you don't want everyone to try and do Bella Lugosi. Yeah, you do. You do want someone to sort of give it their own stamp or their own variants of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, yeah, I was I was really surprised. And again, it changed the story enough that I found it interesting without being like, oh, this is just you know trying to fill in all the gaps that were missing or, you know, try and do anything new with it in a desperate kind of way. I, I thought it worked really well and it was really well written. I think it was Dan uh, Curtis, wasn't it, who directed it as well? Uh, it was Dan Curtis, yeah. Yeah. Because I think the um, what you're saying is it didn't do the third series of the BBC Dracula. The yeah. third um, episode, yeah. rather. Yeah, and, and again, it, but it, it did in the same way that I kind of felt it It told us the story as we know that we're comfortable with and we enjoy and what we're there for, but added mm. enough extra stuff that it was like, this isn't just another rehash of the same shit. So it, it, in the same way as the BBC one, as you say, the first two episodes did a really good job of yeah. getting both of those elements together. I felt the same with this one, um, but I haven't finished it yet. So there's another half hour yet. So it could oh, shit on me yet. Let's not forget us. That was a fantastic movie for the first hour, so let's not count our <laughs> chips. Um, and finally, um, so Arrow have just released a box set, and I saw that they'd posted it, and then two posts later I saw that you had liked it, um, and it's the, is it Yokai Monsters? Yokai Monsters? Oh, yes, yes. From the 60s. Hmm. So I went and had a Google and saw a trailer and then saw that they're all available on archive.org in obviously a kind of VHS quality shit version. Um, Yes. And although I can't see myself splurging out anytime soon because of obviously current events, um, I will definitely well, at the, be at the moment. It's up. very likely we're going to have to make a down payment on a Scotch egg come the new year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, precisely. Yeah. So 60 quid on a box set of Japanese horror might be a little bit of a push, <laughs> but um, oh, it just there's such fun films, they're fucking bonkers. It's it's got all yeah. the, the beauty and the subtlety of Japanese filmmaking, and then they just kind of chuck on top of it. And here are the monsters. Here's the monster that's an umbrella with a leg and one eye and a massive tongue. And here's the yeah. monster that's like a normal woman with a six foot neck. 
And oh, it's just. I, I, I watched two of the. I watched the first two films back to back today, and I yeah. watched the third one, but I ran out of time. So I really enjoyed <laughs> them. They're really good. They are really good, and they're. I mean, even for even for Japanese monster movies, like you say, they're fucking weird. They are batshit. You know, you know, and, and when you consider that, say, Mothra is mainstream yeah. with with the two singing twins who li- like who are tiny and live in a box, who bring Mothra out, and just thousands of bizarre fucking things with it. But yeah, no, they are um, not only that, but also, I mean, again, there's no way on God's earth that I have got the finances to be. Uh, uh, buying that, but guaranteed with Arrow, they will probably look the best they ever had. No, mm. if they're 4K restorations on, they're going to look incredible. Mm. I, I mean, they're beautiful. Again, a Japanese cinema, and that's the thing. That's why I, I don't get shirty, obviously, because that's not my style. But some people are just like, no. You should never have anything dubbed. It should always have the subtitles. And I'm like, yeah, but with Japanese films, I want to be looking all the time because their mm. sets and stuff are yeah, that, so that is, astonishing that, that I don't want point. to yeah. be. And, and they, again, something like this as well. At the beginning of it, it was very dialogue heavy. Yeah. So I literally felt like I was just reading a book and occasionally getting a couple of seconds getting to glimpse up at what was yeah. happening. Um, once the ghosts all turn up, it it sort of changes and you can sort of catch up. But yeah, um, yeah so I'm hoping when the Arrow ones come out, they're going to have a dubbed version, which I know a lot of people will call me a philistine for. But I just want to take in every second of that beauty because they're just I mean, 1968 and they just look fantastic. Even the effects and stuff. I mean, some yeah. of it's pretty ropey. But the the woman with the really long neck, although you can see how it's all done. It looks incredible. It's yeah. So good. Well, I think it's like even uh, like it's like the film uh, uh, the Japanese film House, hmm. where the effects in that boulder into the really ropey, but they have that sort of, for want of a better expression, mighty bouche quality. Yeah. Where it's like how is something done so cheaply actually but a bit eerie or yeah. a bit creepy and so on? Yeah. And I think it's a similar sort of thing. But I, I, but also, um, Arrow usually are pretty good for releasing, like, they will usually have the dubs on there and everything else like that because subtitles aren't to everyone's taste. And not only that, but also, I mean, I've got, I can't, can't remember, I think it was like the first first time I saw... Um, Aguirre Wrath of God mm. is I decided to watch it initially I watched it in German with the subtitles but the subtitles were too colloquial oh. so it'd be like so the subtitles would be like hey look at those guys whereas actually when you watched it with the dubs they'd, they'd kept it in a more medieval speak so they yeah. were like sort of like a man approaches yeah, and stuff like that, and so in, I ended up watching it with the dub because it didn't, it felt more in keeping with how the film should be rather it's, than. It's funny how that yeah. has such an effect because I, I can't oh, remember yeah. what it was, but I'd had I experienced that for the first time 
a you know a little while ago, and I was surprised at just how much it changed the feeling of it mm. just by having slightly different words. And yep. it might it might have been a, it might have been Howl's Moving Castle actually. Um, yeah. And I think I'd never heard it in the English before, and perhaps it was now on Netflix with English. I don't know. It's, it's something, and it or it was just playing, and I was like, that's funny. They're saying like, yeah, it's really different what they're saying, and it really did affect it. So yeah, it's funny. It's funny you well, say I, that. That was that was what the UK films felt like was spirited mm. away, made uh, in nineteen seventy, but live action. That was exactly what uh, it was like. It was just yeah, mental. Well, that is that is <laughs> impressive. That is a feat. <laughs> um and yeah, and that is everything we've caught up with. So mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably, as we've been going for quite some time now, get into the main event. Um, well, I think that's a good segue as well because the effects. I could I could apply what you said to this, right? They are, you know, you could say they're kind of dated and they are a little bit cheap in some, but amazing. Like just uh, like it works mm. so perfectly. Anyway, now I'll let you um, finish introducing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Evil Dead Two. Uh, we covered the first one, as Adam said, about three years ago now. It's about time we got round to it. It's it's a very strange movie, and it has got that. It's uh, this is the only one that I like. I've watched three films I can think of off the top of my head that are kind of a semi remake and a semi sequel, and mm. this is the only one that works. And I still can't quite work out what they were going for with it, but. It's a it's a stone cold classic, in my opinion. It's absolutely amazing. The term Bruce Campbell used is requel, in that it's not quite a remake, and it's it's not not quite a sequel yeah. because the two things have sort of blurred. Um, but I mean, actually, I mean, originally, the original idea for Evil Dead Two was basically Army of Darkness, is they wanted to push Ash back and do the um, medieval knights in armour sort of story and then I think they realised that actually they probably wouldn't necessarily be able to get the budget for that mm-hmm. um, but then they thought well we'll do some more stuff set around the cabin because obviously because Evil Dead doesn't end uh, just ends with Ash being attacked by the the, the unseen force doesn't it Yeah, like just goes camera goes up black and then it's the credits or whatever and so they were like well we could sort of continue from there and just have more going on like going on in the cabin and then in their original idea for the script they were like right so we'll put in the bits here from evil dead one so that you know to recap the story um but because they were with a different because it was a different production company doing Evil Dead 2, um, they couldn't get the rights to Evil Dead 1. So even though they wrote and directed and everything, obviously it's it's New Line Cinema who actually owns it as the distributor, and they wouldn't let them have footage from The Evil Dead. Um, or basically they couldn't afford whatever they were asking for yeah. the footage from The Evil Dead. So they just went, fuck it, we'll do it as a different we'll sort of 
remake like change it enough that yes well well not even change it enough but change it enough so that they could get to the point they wanted to do the sequel Mm. from so rather than having to redo the whole film they were like right so it's just ash and uh linda that go rather than a whole group of them go Mm. um because I did see, I did see. I remember years and years ago seeing a lovely thing where someone said, "You can read it that Ash is so fucking stupid that he got away the first time, <laughs> and, then, and then took someone back to the cabin." I seem to remember. Done I seem to remember the first time I watched it. Yeah, being like, "Why yeah. is he going what? back there? That didn't end well." And then I'm like, "Maybe he's luring more spirits." And then I was like. Yeah, no, he's totally not happy about what's going on. So that's not the case either. Yeah, I think I think it's a weird. I think it's a bit of a weird one because obviously, maybe they weren't thinking. I mean, even though the Evil Dead obviously became quite a, I mean, certainly over here became part of the video nasties list. So it was expected to appear on video, but. I suppose they weren't really, again, it was like it's movies. They aren't necessarily going to be at your fingertips yeah. every time. Because even then it would have probably been more like living rental rather than owning mm. the tape itself. Mm. So maybe they were like of the opinion that it's like, well, we can do this recap because it won't necessarily be, basically no one's going to fucking marathon it. Yeah. Mm. Which obviously... No, they will now, but yeah, <laughs> at, the t- at the time that wasn't even a, and yeah, so that's why it's, um, but this was something that I, I was really sort of astounded when sort of reading about it, because I mean, it, got, it sort of parks back to Evil Dead as well, and it's a, a section in my notes that I've titled Hail to the King, baby, because <laughs> basically after this, um, uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Sam Raimi, the director, and Rob Tappert, the producer, did uh, a film called Crime Wave, which flopped. Um, but the the original Evil Dead was Stephen King had been instrumental in getting it noticed because he'd raved about it in a screening after seeing it at Cannes, and then the marketing team from like the Evil Dead had said, well said to Sam Raimi, can we get Stephen King to provide a quote for the poster? So they rang up Stephen King, who basically said, I'll do better than that. And he did a three-page fucking review of the movie for Twilight Zone magazine. Bloody Nora. From which they took the poster quote of the most ferociously original film, horror film of 1982. Um, And um, yeah, so Stephen King was really like the champion that got, got the film noticed and got it put into distribution so actually sort of had some advertising had some outlet and people got to know about it um and then they were trying to get the after crime wave went uh, went sort of south they'd been writing this during crime wave and they were like okay so we'll we'll just do evil dead 2 still couldn't get any funding for it and at the time stephen king was Get doing maximum overdrive <laughs> with um, the Dino uh, De Laurentiis uh, production company because, like Dino De Laurentiis was this is this producer who's like near mythical who did 
like Flash Gordon and mm. Manhunter and just loads and a uh, Dune, David Lynch's Dune is oh, a yeah. uh, And yeah, he was having lunch with Stephen King because they he was Stephen, he was producing like Maximum Overdrive. And um Stephen King was like, Yeah, look, they're trying to do Evil Dead. And he basically persuaded him to put up the money to make Evil Dead 2. Wow, mm. I did not know that. So it's a man, isn't he? Stephen King is he just bleeds into everything we do, really. He's just such a massive he's a massive part of horror, like way more than mm. just the stuff that he writes yeah. has been yeah. full on hands-on involved in. He's been molding it's, the he's a master of horror. He's been molding the genre for fucking mm. decades. It's that lovely thing of seeing someone who's a fan. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think Stephen King. I mean, I mean, obviously his main his main output during lockdown was baiting Trump all the time on Twitter, which was <laughs> fantastic. But, but um, yeah, he is essentially that's his sort of first. You know, he always remains a fan of mm. horror because I mean, obviously he was the one who raved about like Clive Barker. And like Evil Dead and various and, and and I mean even stuff like for okay for every time, I mean admittedly in my head, he doesn't like the Kubrick version of The Shining, which to me is like moaning about the school that turned your kid into a hotshot lawyer because you'd wanted them to be a doctor. But other than that, you know, there's sort of certain things like The Mist. I mean, The Mist is a film I would love to cover on the show anyway. But Just, I, I, that almost made it to the what I've been watching, but we only watched it. Oh, right. Bit, yeah. So I left it off. We went back and rewatched it in the black and white version. Oh. As yeah, Adam yes. bought us the DVD that has both the colour and the black and white version. Mm. I just wanted to go back to The Shining for a second. Have you read mm. it? No. Uh, no. No. So, because it would I, be I, fascinating I to read it and see if like, you could see where he's coming from in that he doesn't like the film, because the film is great. You know. I have seen the TV miniseries mm. version of The Shining, which sticks to the book. Uh, and so does he closely. like that? Which, which, yeah, that has his full approval. That's right. directed okay. by um, uh, Mick Garris. Okay. And yeah, uh, Stephen King really likes that version, but that version sticks very much to his, yeah. um, his original vision. much more to, to the book. Mm. Like There's stuff like... Um, there's topiary animals in the the maze that come to life and obviously mm. that's not in the kubrick version and things like that from what i gather i think the whole thing was essentially a disagreement of philosophy yeah in so okay. much as stephen king and stanley kubrick had differing opinions about what ghosts mm. indicated in the Stephen, I think Stephen King was kind of hopeful that ghosts represented that there was something else, that there was an afterlife, that there was something beyond it. Whereas I think Stanley Kubrick considered that to be more disturbing, especially because it then meant that you could be trapped in perpetuity as the yeah. caretaker of the fucking overlook and tormented for all eternity. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those ones where you can sort of, I can see both sides, but I, I think it might have just been that he just got angry because he didn't have topiary animals. And it's like, no, or no coke. <laughs> but, but back to, um, but like back to the mist, Stephen King now says, oh, the, they altered the ending. I'm not going to go into it, but they altered the ending of the mist. 
And Stephen King said, that's better. That is the, ver that is the true version of The Mist. Mm -hmm. So even though it's not his version of it, he is, you know, he's like, no, that blew me away. I really like what they did. That is literally mm -hmm. one of the best endings to a movie I've ever seen. And it's one yeah. of the only times I have ever, I, I believe I genuinely stood out of my seat and went, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much my reaction. It just, I've never seen anything yeah. quite that. Bleach. Absolutely. Oh. It's, it, it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It is worth the last 30 seconds of that film to just be utterly devastated. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, um, and also apparently like Dino De Laurentiis had a um, agreement with the MPAA, like the American Classification Board, that he wouldn't release anything that was like R-rated. Hmm. So, um they actually set up a, a production company called Rosebud, which is the production company for Evil Dead 2. So technically it's Dino DeLaurentis' company, like DEG, but they're using a different name to get around a loophole that was this thing that they wouldn't be allowed to make um, 18 films. See, but I love that. that. I, it, it's one of the things I actually made a note about, yeah, is that that initial Rosebud thing. Because it's such a, <clears throat> it's such a, a kind of, 90s, I know it was the 80s, but it was that very 90s mm. looking. It's a picture of a rose with a terrible CGI background. It's got a very lovely sound, and then it just hits you with Evil Dead 2, just yeah. fucking out of the blue, and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's horrible. <laughs> it just makes it feel all the worse for showing you something lovely and then doing that to you. Well, because it that yeah, because that that opening logo feels like it's um that feels like you're watching like something on the Lifetime channel or something like that. Yeah. Going to be a tale about a plucky girl who overcomes losing a limb to become a ballet dancer. It's, I can see the similarities. Despite, despite the fact that dad's an alcoholic and her mum's a cunt. So. <laughs> oh, to be fair, he loses a limb and she is a ballet dancer. So. <laughs> or she loses far. a belly and he is a ballet dancer. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that there where that's... Just going to sit and percolate because obviously this is basically the same team back again. So you've got mm. like Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. Um, this incidentally is Bruce Campbell's favorite uh Evil Dead film. Not so and, why, 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 like what did he give a reason? I don't know. I think like, was it was the favorite just for his act, like most fun for him, yeah. I think, well, I mean, certainly, I mean, stuff like all that stuff in the kitchen, they just mm -hmm. basically let him go. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't planned. <laughs> they basically said, right, go and beat yourself up in the kitchen. That is um, hilarious. <laughs> which he does brilliantly. He does, yeah. yeah. It's... The, the best bit, I, I made, again, another thing I made a note about, is that bit when he knocks himself out and it's just a hand and it goes and it just drags his body along. It sure. just looks yeah. so, I was watching it, I was like, how do they even do that? It mm. just looks incredible. Because <laughs> the strange thing is, because like I say, I mean, obviously you've got like the majority of it is the same people coming back. One key, there's a couple of key different people involved. One of which is uh, Scott Spiegel, who's the co-writer of this, because like he, The Evil Dead was just Sam Raimi. Mm. Um, mm. And he co-wrote this and he was the one who really brought in 
the slapstick, the comedy, sort of said he wanted to go like sort of, um, you know, like Looney Tunes and Three Stooges you can type totally sort of stuff. Like, tonally, it's very, very different. Like the original one yeah. is kind of disturbing in how raw it is. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this kind of goes for that halfway between it's hard it's that you know that thing we say is always perfect to get between horror and comedy we're both yeah. land mm. perfectly the horror but with a very the... unique style compared yeah, oh, to yeah. some other horror comedies yeah like, they do take it really far. i mean like the bit where he's flying through the forest and he's shaking yeah butt. and it's <laughs> like it, that that should look really dumb and be just too much but somehow it just they, works. they've got it right yeah it's curious as well because it doesn't it doesn't seem to it doesn't reduce the the sort of danger element of it but it possibly reduces your reaction hmm. in a weird way do you know what i mean it's like basically a creepy disembodied hand should be just creepy and disembodied but they add an element of thing from the adams family to it where it's got a personality and, flip, yeah. and flips the bird and fucking oh, yeah, yeah. When, when the white winds him up, yeah, yeah. yeah. When and it I love the white in that mouse trap and he just mm, pisses yes. himself laughing yeah. at it, and then it flips. Yeah. Yeah, it gives him the finger. It's just yeah, because that's it's pure proper bugs and daffy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just so sort of. But I, and that's the thing is you've got it's it's a fucking fu- it's a like hand, but it has a lot of personality. Which is, you know, quite quite an impressive achievement, <laughs> I think. And then obviously you've got like apparently that was something that that was Scott. I think that was Scott Spiegel's party piece was he would make an angle poise lamp laugh with Popeye's laugh, and so obviously that's in there. And you've got the deer laughing at him and everything else like that. And it's just there's that. It's a nice weird juxtaposition because you've still got the horror elements and everything, mm. but the comedy, which in a weird way can make it feel more real. Mm. I know that sounds, I know that sounds absurd, but it's like, you know, within, within the basis of the movie, getting an eyeball in the mouth is yeah. the most horrible fucking thing. Yeah. Watching it, however, yeah. is fucking funny. Yeah. And it's it's almost like you're you're getting to watch it from the outside of just like oh this is this is it's like watching YouTube fails, mm. you know. Yeah. I, eyeball fail as demon gets head trapped in this cellar. Clickbait, it, you know. It's potentially how a horror would go if it was happening. Really, like it wouldn't yeah. go perfectly serious the whole time. It would just well, be a bit crazy again it's one of those things that i love seeing the progression of it so on vhs that eyeball in the mouth looked perfectly realistic but no it didn't it looked slapstick but realistic <laughs> enough then when it came out on dvd you could see the wire holding it in place now yeah. it's out on blu-ray and they've edited all of that <laughs> out it's gone back to looking almost semi-realistic again yeah because also you could see the stick yeah. That was holding the eyeball up when it's flying through the air, and but yeah, they've gone back and sort of. And again, this isn't that's not tinkering. I consider, you know, I'm not. It that never ruined ridiculous. my enjoyment. Suddenly, going right now, I can see the string. 
bit. Uh, this is all a write-off now. Like, yeah, ludicrous enough a thing that you don't you don't need to be a hundred percent convinced in its reality for it to totally work. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think the the other the other, actually speaking of like, I mean, obviously visual effects somewhat important in this film. Um, that's that that's the other sort of main change is this. Um, the makeup is, uh, along with a lot of others, um, is uh, Greg Nicotero. This is oh, one of his yeah. sort of like original films. His um, first what, ever yeah, film. Yeah, what else has he done? Yeah. Well, his first film was he was working under Tom Savini on mm. Day of the Dead. Ah. And basically, he was a student of Tom Savini. Now, it's him uh, and Robert Kurtzman and Howard Berger who are all working on this who eventually went on to form a effects company called KMB. And this, I mean, this is this is by no means complete, but this is just the well, stuff that Greg Nicotero's worked on and like KMB have worked on. So uh, Phantasm 2, Monkey Shines, House 3, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Halloween 5, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Bride of Reanimator, Tales of the Dark Side, Misery, People Under the Stairs, Army of Darkness, Maniac Cop 3, Pulp Fiction, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Lord of Illusions, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, all three from Dust Till Dawn, Scream mm. 1 and 2, Spawn, mm. The Night Flyer, Boogie Nights, Wishmaster, Phantoms, John Carpenter's Vampire, The Green Mile, Crow Salvation, The Cell, uh, Mulholland Drive, Ghosts of Mars, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, Austin Powers in Gold Member, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, both volumes of Kill Bill, Jeez. Cursed, Dominion, uh, Sin City, Land of the Dead, Hostel 1 to 3, The Chronicle of Narnia films, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, Grindhouse, Transformers, Diary of the Dead, The Mist, Drag Me to Hell, Inglorious Bastards, The Final Destination, Survival of the Dead, Jennifer's Body, Splice, The Book of Eli, The Last Exorcism, Predators, The Walled, Paul, Priest, Seven Psychopaths, Django Unchained, Texas Chainsaw, Oz, Oz the Great and Powerful, The Green Inferno, The Hateful Eight, Suicide Squad, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, fucking Nora. yeah, he's, he's been busy. He's been busy <laughs> now. The interesting, the interesting thing is, KMB effects they provided because they do a lot of clearly it's a lot of body prosthetics. Because, like I say, there's stuff in there, there's loads of Tarantino in there where it's obviously they're going to be more gore effects than anything else because there's no monsters or anything else like that. It's just going to be body parts and, so, and boogie nights. I'm assuming that they are responsible for a certain appendage. And um, but basically, never seen it. Oddly enough, uh, it's a good film. But um, but KMB effects, um, they swapped with Tarantino. They gave Tarantino the ear for Reservoir Dogs in return for the script for From Dust Till Dawn, which they <laughs> eventually did make. But yeah, just as a sort of like little, as, and obviously that's why he they, they've like Greg Nicotero and KMB have worked with Tarantino on pretty much everything since. Mm. But just that sort of lovely thing where it's like, right, we're just starting out. You're just starting out. Um, well, you need an effect and we need, we need a decent script. So let's swap. And yeah, it's just a sort of wow. really cool thing. But like Greg Nicotero, I mean, he's like, all, he was all over Masters of Horror. And basically now he pretty much runs The Walking Dead, like the TV series. 
Oh, but he's nice. directed and written and produced for The Walking Dead and things like that. And if there's one thing you can say about The Walking Dead, the fucking zombies are incredible. Yeah. You know, I mean, regardless, I mean, it's not a show I've sort of, I haven't caught up with uh, since like series two or whatever like that. But genuinely, like, just on a pure effects level. Out. But yeah, it, yeah. It, and it was only because I got so bored of the story running the same loops. Like I certainly never mm. got bored of looking at it. It was, yeah, incredible. I think that, I think that was the problem for me is just that I'd read the comic and I was kind of like, get on with it. Cause I've, cause I, know where I could see going. where they were setting up to go, but it was like, look, the comic did this in fucking three trade paperbacks, mate. If you haven't got around to this by the end of series one, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're the kind of this, and along with it being like a different uh, production company, but yeah, they're pretty much, they're the sort of ones that have guided it in that way. And it's interesting because I was thinking this, there seems to be this thing of if you've made a fucking amazing horror film, the second one goes comedy. Yeah. So you've got Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. The most obvious sort of similarity would be Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre 2. Sorry, team. <laughs> but that's... Bless you, Claire. But the... Um, don't bless her, she's evil. Um, <laughs> but again, that, that feels the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, it's the same team involved, but they've just gone fuck it, we're going to do a balls-out comedy with, like, laughs and weird shit going on, and we've got we've got more mm. money to do effects. And I think that might be the thing as well, is that it's probably on a really minuscule budget, you've got effects to do horrible things. Mm. Whereas, actually, once you've got a bit more money, you can have stuff more stylized and more characterful, and you can do, like, the demons, like when uh, Ed gets possessed. and the I mean, the, it's not like the dead, the dead eye thing of just like the sort of blank cracked face and the eyes he gets a full blown it's a pretty full on prosthetic yeah. sort of <laughs> and he head. does that weird hovering thing that you later mm. see in um uh, drag me to hell yeah like that weird just hovering in midair strange effect yeah that it's, it seems really odd but somehow just really worked for the like as you say, like that whole kind of weird alternative reality type thing. Mm. It's um, it's yeah, yeah it's like the sort uncanny of uncanny valley. Yeah, mm. it's like he's actually, hovering, but it doesn't feel just like a person hovering. Like his movements are all wrong and stuff as well, and it's just yeah, a, it just it's adds not to like he, it's not like he's flapping to stay up. Yeah, but it kind of it's there's obviously something going on that's keeping him hmm. up. Um, and actually the, the one I suppose that you could argue is Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Hmm. Cause obviously they do put comic elements in the Bride of Frankenstein that are certainly not in the, the first one. No, but absolutely. again, you know, it's, it's James Whale and pretty much this and Karloff and Colin Clive. And so mo mostly everyone's coming back. Yeah. But this time around, it's like, well, we can do this. We've got a bit more budget and we'll have a bit more of a laugh with it and everything. And it seems to be, uh, it seems to be the wise thing to do. 
Although I was trying to work out because obviously I'd never, I didn't see them. Certainly didn't see Evil Dead the first time round, and I probably saw Evil Dead two first. I think, and I do wonder if you were a massive fan of the Evil Dead, would you have been pissed off with Evil Dead two? You know, in that sort of way now, where it's like someone does a really good film, and then the second one comes out, and you're like, oh, they've just pissed all over the original. And, you know, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the curmudgeonly internet? It's funny because you saying that because you were saying earlier, um, yeah, about how it, you know, obviously you 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 would compare them. But so I'm wondering if they kind of subverted it. So like, right, we can't overdo. We're not going to beat mm. it in horror, yeah, or in gore. So maybe if we take it in a different direction, it will give yeah. people a- enough. So they don't compare the two immediately and then go, well, the first one was scarier or more gory mm. because it, it's got a different direction to go to. Um, no, I, I genuinely think that is the case. Yeah, they sort of, um, it's like I say, it is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's distinctly what they did there where it's like we can't just go through this sort of grimy, grinding tension thing. We've got to find something else to do with this. Because uh, uh, well, because essentially it's the problem with it's the problem with the majority of sequels. It's like, right, so you've got this successful formula. Keep doing that for the next nine films. Yeah. It Whereas actually, if you really try and quickly, yeah, if you try and move something around or add in different mm-hmm. ways, especially I think it's also especially if you come out the gate so fucking quickly. Mm. It's like probably the well, certainly my favourite, but probably my favourite. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is number three. Yeah. Because I think that's where they've refined what they've got. They've That's where they sort of crystallise and condense all the good stuff that they've got so far into its ultimate form. It's whereas the best version like, of it, yeah. Yeah, whereas I think something like Evil Dead came out so fully formed and is pretty much... You could not... Like you say, like, you couldn't top it. Mm. And to try to top it and make it darker and more scary is probably a high to lose lose something from it. Yeah, yeah. But again, as you were saying, you know, sort of reducing it down to its sort of crystalline form, they do that in this because I I made a note that you know, in the original one, it takes half an hour or so before kind of supernatural effect. Yeah. Whereas this Mm. one, within five minutes. They've been yeah. in the house, he's played the tape, she's mm, been stolen and he's been dragged much. into the woods. Within five yeah. minutes, like, it just goes... To, because it's a smaller cast, so I suppose you don't have to cover mm. for what those other characters are doing. It just goes balls to the wall. They get to the cabin, she's been abducted, he's been possessed. Bang, five minutes, do you, done. Do you think, yeah. do you think they realise that they're, you know, their real unique selling point for this is Bruce Campbell and his ability to to do the acting that he does throughout because this that is quite different you know it is i, I can't immediately think of many other actors that do a similar kind of a thing his style is mm. so yeah. unique it's i mean he, he's still like because basically he looks cool but it's, it's a bit it reminds me of um i guess the closest one like jack burton but yeah, in the, yes. he's an anti-hero and you're laughing at him but he's still pretty damn cool like it's it's, it's a hard balance yeah it's de- especially making mistakes. 
I, th- I think Ash versus Evil Dead is where you really get mm, that Jack okay. Burton feeling. Yeah. As well, where it's like the sort of thing of because because I think Army of Darkness is where Ash then develops the catchphrases and stuff. I know you got groovy in this. Yeah, yeah. No, but, the, well, like, I was I was gonna say that, right? There is not many people that can say groovy and I still want to carry on watching them. I use but, that yeah. term regularly <laughs> in text messages <laughs> and stuff. And only because of him, if it wasn't yeah. him, there's no way I'd consider doing that as a positive yeah. reply. I sampled that along with a um, a bit of uh, Bill Paxton in Aliens mm. for a hopelessly derivative dance song that I once uh, wrote and like added samples in, but it had groovy. You have to post now it. Now what the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can just take very common words and absolutely own them to the point where no one will ever be able to hear them again without thinking of you. And I think mind, that's what mind you, there's the bit there's the bit in this where he goes workshed. Mm, yeah. And it's been overdubbed because they just didn't have the sound clip. And it's really like Garth Marenghi overdone yeah like you know it's just totally out of place and but apparently that's become such a thing that when uh bruce campbell was in escape from la the first thing that kurt russell said to him is he walked right up to him and said say wood shit (laughs) or work shit rather because it was just like let me was that you or was that someone else's voice wait so so you just said bruce campbell is in escape from la yes as playing well as a, playing a plastic surgeon because Escape from New York obviously is like right New York's been holed up uh, and turned into a maximum prison. It's full of well, sort of Mad Max style punks and Ernest Borgnine. Mm. Um, and but Escape from LA is kind of a similar thing, but they've just gone to town with cliches of LA. And so one of them is Bruce Campbell, who is running a cult of plastic surgeons. So it's all these people who are addicted to plastic surgery. He's got this yeah. huge, like, Joker smile in it. And um, I've he's got it on DVD. He's not in the to watching it, but I really, really need to. I think. Oh, there's. I mean, there's a bit. I mean, there's a bit. I mean, it's so craply green screened. It's beautiful, but there's a bit where like Steve Buscemi and Kurt Russell are surfing along the river and stuff like that. And basically, yeah, literally every, every piss tape you could think of LA culture is somewhere in Escape from LA. And um, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. That's what I was going to say earlier. Sorry, you might've heard me. I got slightly tripped up and then ended up making a different point because I couldn't quite remember the one I was going to say. Um, Yeah. About comparing it to the original and the level of gore and stuff, but then, the thing that got me this time is I'd completely forgotten about the ridiculous blood fountain. So I was like, I remember it being pretty bloodless and the blood that is in this one is kind of green and stuff. Yeah. And then when Mm. he shoots the hole in the wall where the hand is and you see that trickle of blood and he's like, yes. And then all of a sudden it just fucking washes over him like a tidal wave. It, I literally just sat there laughing out loud because it, it, I, I'd just completely forgotten that and there's so many moments in this that do mm. that. They're very short moments 
and you forget it watching the film. If you don't watch it for three or four years, you forget just how much goes on in this very short <laughs> runtime. It's it's a very frenetic film and also oddly sparsely populated. I always forget the how few people are actually in it. Mm. Oh yeah, looking you know, at like the IMDb, as, as it's ridiculous. It's like ten people, and that's yeah. But that, I mean, that blood, yeah, the blood scene, that's sort of Monty Python, that's Itchy the Killer. It's that, like, beyond fucking ridiculous sort of thing, you know, where it's like, and, and again, I suppose it's like, oh, there, oh, that was terrible where they saw that, you know, there's a vicious bit of blood splatter in, like, this film or whatever like that. It's like, fuck it, let's get buckets of the shit. Let's <laughs> fountain this stuff in. Because I think all they did with that is they essentially laid Bruce Campbell down and poured that through, like, so they had the set designed to look like he was standing up. Yeah. And then they just poured gallons of fucking fake blood on him, <laughs> um, which apparently, A, was basically waterboarding. Yeah. Um, it looked but like... Also, but also he said that his snot was red for weeks, where it just <laughs> dyed everything. Like his head was just dyed red. And then when he got that off, his snot and spit were like bright red for fucking ages. And yeah, I think, because I wonder if there's, essentially there seems to be a thing where I think, especially in the first film, is because everyone, you know, people get obviously sort of, injured and taken over and hurt and killed in various ways in the first film. But I do suspect that there was a part where Sam Raimi is like, but Bruce is just so funny when you hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And he it, keeps trying to kill that fucking car of mine as well. Like, that's another yes. thing they've got going on between the two of them. So Yes, definitely. And I think the... Because, um, like, like you were saying, Chris, about like with it being like anti-hero and everything, mm. um, I think that um, there's, like you say, there's a lot of Jack Burton there, but also, um, do you remember Duke Nukem? Mm, Duke Nukem? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you said that earlier, Hail to the King, mm, baby, that's in... Yeah, it, that's it in says that, that at one point, yeah. And they say groovy in it as well. And uh, if, you, if you Google the cover of Duke Nukem 3D, it's basically mm, the cover of... Uh, uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah. Because I saw I saw Army of Darkness earlier. Um, yeah. It came up in the images when I was searching for an image background. And yeah, I completely had not realised that. Uh, but that's that sort good. of... Yeah, that's, that's another one where it was like sort of a strange sort of... A, yeah. I think basically they were like... I mean, as someone said, there's a lot of... There's a lot of other things in Duke Nukem. Mm. But Ash is clearly one of them. Is the major, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, I mean, that cover is exactly the it is. Uh, is, is is precisely the same. And I think there's, yeah, I mean, Bruce Campbell is a strange, like you said, it's he's kind of he's kind of like leading man. He's mm. kind of sort of classic, um, like you know. Handsome, squared, yeah, yeah, sort of. But that's the character. Yeah, but that almost that makes it better because you think, yeah, he should, 
you know, he wouldn't perhaps be willing to do half the stuff he does and portray himself in this way because he would doesn't yeah. need to. He could easily be just a classic leading. You know, he could star, have got away with but, just being a matinee yeah. idol. And that makes it but, so much better that he's just willing to go to the lengths that he must have gone to and just really show, yeah, like that is well, a, an impressive ability. Well, this was this was Claire's first watch. Mm. And the one thing that she <laughs> said, because I because I, I was saying about the um because I was saying about like oh, you know, Ash is kind of a bit Jack Burton and everything else like that. And Claire just went, right, I've got it. He's Ryan Reynolds. Mm. And it is that Ryan Reynolds thing of like, mm. Ryan Reynolds can be just a leading man. Yeah. But he is also piss funny. Yeah. Um, and a, and a br- brilliant comic timing and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. There's something very of, down to earth about mm. this. Like, yeah, they just feel more real than you might think. And I did, I, um, I remembered that friend of the show, Daryl, had actually met Bruce Campbell. And I said, go on, like, just tell me, how was he in real life? And he said he was very charming, devilishly handsome. Yeah, he was cool <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> All right, I'm glad to hear that. That's, that's exactly those, what I imagined. It's one of those things you'd be so devastated if someone went, "Yeah, he's yeah, a little prick." Yeah. But the thing is, he is intentionally obnoxious to people, kind of like at uh, Q and A's and stuff. Because yeah, as you were saying about the development of his character. So in the first one, he's kind of kind of laid back and stuff in this one is a little bit smarmy yeah by the time you get to army of darkness he is full what we know as bruce mm. campbell which is just yeah here i am fucking adore me and like you just can't not <laughs> I th- well i think it's that it's that lovely thing of people uh, you know of people knowing you know you're you're playing to a crowd who are in on mm. the joke yeah. 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 You know, they know that you are being Bruce Campbell in in essence, you know, uh, the, the character of Bruce Campbell as opposed to Bruce Campbell. So, mm. so he did that film, didn't he? My name is Bruce. Um, <clears throat> yeah, which I absolutely love. You can get hold of a copy of it, totally watch it. So it's a film in which a young guy releases a believe it's a chinese demon on his small middle of nowhere kind of bumblefuck town um and he's a massive bruce campbell fan of bruce campbell's films so he goes and kidnaps him effectively to bring him there to fight the demon bruce campbell thinks it's all a publicity stunt type thing and he's just fucking about until he realizes that it totally isn't and this kid (laughs) thinks he really can destroy this demon. It's, it's, it's just Bruce Campbell being Bruce Campbell, be, as you say, not really being Bruce Campbell, but it's Bruce Campbell being the stage Bruce Campbell yeah. for an hour and 45. It's so much fun. It's a really, really good film. And it's one of those that's so underrated and many people haven't watched it because mm. he's, I mean, his filmography is massive. He does so much low budget stuff. Um, yeah. And a lot of I have, pre-ordered, I have pre-ordered that vampire thing he did. Was it Sundown the Vampire in Repose or whatever it's called? Uh, I have seen that. Is that was that an old an eighties film that's just being re-released I've, now? It's being re-released. Yes, yeah, a nineties. Um, yes. Yeah, I think, I, have, I think it's nineties. I have seen um, it. Yes, but yeah, I yeah. did see it on VHS. So 
Yeah, because I've been desperate to. I think probably since we, <laughs> probably since we discussed it. Uh, look, that's it. Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. That's it. That's it. Yeah, from '89. But yeah, someone's uh, someone's re-releasing that, so I have I have pre-ordered that because I do want to see it. I'm also very annoyed that we didn't get. There was going to be just before everything went tits up um, financially, not medically. Um, <laughs> but at one point, um, yeah, the, he was uh, he was doing a uh, Bruce Campbell was doing a film where he was basically this sleazy. Uh, nightclub singer in Vegas and then something happens and it's basically him and about three other people are left on the planet <laughs> and it's like him trying to traipse his way across the planet to, to solve something and it's just him and the go-go dancer that he'd, call, he'd pulled the night before but they've <laughs> ended up stuck together and having to do and I'm pretty sure it was something to do with Alejandro Jodorowsky but I might be getting my wires oh. crossed there and it's something else I'm not sure um, yeah, but, just, <clears throat> there's something about Bruce Campbell that's just so massively awesome. Like, if you take a film like uh, Bubba Hotep, oh, I yeah. love Bubba Hotep. It is, it is on our list of 30 films that we really should have covered before yeah. we reached 100. We're now at 130 and we still haven't covered it. Um, but yeah, like that, that film in concept is a wacky concept that could so easily have just fallen over and not gone anywhere but as soon as you put bruce campbell in that lead role it, it, it can't fail and it, it absolutely smashes it and, and, you know uh, like you the, were saying, the, the name tells me nothing about the film then i'm assuming so <laughs> no it so just a very quick uh elevator pitch for bubba mm. hotep Elvis didn't really die. He had had enough of fame and swapped place with an Elvis impersonator. So Elvis is now in a retirement home. Uh, and a Egyptian mummy is also hiding out in that retirement home and is sucking the life out of old people. And the only people who know about it is Elvis... And the guy he shares a room with, who is an old black man who genuinely believes that he's John F. Kennedy. And that's because Kennedy's brain went missing. Oh, genuinely in real life, Kennedy's brain went missing after the autopsy. And so he's convinced that Kennedy's brain, he, he is Kennedy, but put in a different body. Mm-hmm. If you need any more fucked up yeah. idea for a movie... Please let me know because I'll and it's a really that, good movie. The ancient the ancient mummy writes rude hieroglyphs <laughs> in the toilets. Yeah. And the Apatra yeah. does the nasty, I think was what he uh, yeah, translated it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's a terrific film. I think, yeah, that that we're definitely we've definitely got to cover because I think I mean it's just so bloody funny and odd that's the, really that's the stuff I like I like the odd and I'm saying People. that too definitely counts in the odd the oh and the, the giant face that comes through the, the mm, door yeah. the giant yeah. demon head <laughs> right but get this I mean we're we're one off from um, 
like last time when we did Blair Witch and it was, oh, we'll take the camera back and get the money. Yeah. Um, with this, they just were like, oh, that's so fucking heavy. Because <laughs> they filmed they filmed it in, um, where is it? They filmed it in North Carolina um, in a place called Wadesboro. And um, yeah, they just decided, oh, this is just too heavy. We, we'll leave it here. So they just didn't bother taking the head away when they left. And then the head went missing. No one knows what happened to it for years. And then it turned up in a Halloween haunted house attraction just outside Wadesboro, where obviously someone had got it and just been using it for fucking years. It's like, oh, free giant <laughs> demon head. <laughs> Why would you not? I mean, if it's just sitting... Oh, definitely. It's funny, because seeing it this time, I was like, shit, that is exa- it looks exactly like the one in Hellraiser that chases them down the tunnel. Yeah, the little yeah, yeah. It's like it's got that same. It has definitely got that same uh, look to it, definitely. Um, and actually, filming in North Carolina, North Carolina, obviously quite warm. They were having a heat wave, and uh, Ted Raimi, like Sam's brother, who plays uh, Henrietta, like the possessed Henrietta. Um, they were literally pouring sweat out of that suit into, like, cups. (laughs) And you can actually see at certain points in the film that it's coming out of of the ear. There's just, like, water coming out where it's just him sweating. And, yeah, apparently it was just, like, horrific because, yeah, it's pounds and pounds of latex, which would make you do that anyway in the middle of a heat wave, in the middle of one of the hottest parts of the country. <laughs> that is suffering for your art, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's suffering for your brother because he bullies you. That's what <laughs> I think that is. I love Ted um, Raimi. He's one of those people who, mm. I don't think he gets as much props as he deserves, really, for this. I mean, Twin Peaks, he was fantastic in. Yeah. I think he just... Again, he was one of... Well, it's also just like, I mean, Candyman. Mm. I'd completely forgotten he was in Candyman. And, like, you know, it's sort of, it's just weird. He just gets all these weird little bit parts and stuff like that. But actually, he's always really good in them. And one thing he's really good at, oddly, and this is out of makeup, he's oddly good at menacing. If he's playing a bad guy, he is like a proper. Oh, you, f- oh, you fucking bastard! <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? If if he was to play a bad guy for Gamero del Toro, I don't know if I could control myself from tearing the screen <laughs> because I think they would just combine yeah. to make such a fucking arsehole that <laughs> there would be trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah, I just this film is fantastic, and of course, it then does lead to Army of Darkness. Which, so surely, surely that's on our list. That is definitely on our list, and it definitely won't be three fucking years before we watch Army of Darkness. <laughs> I no, promise. It, it is on, just as I was saying, I was surprised about the quality of stuff that Jennifer was putting on our Halloween watch list. <laughs> Army of Darkness is one of those. Mm. Um, <laughs> Not seen it in, I've probably not seen it in three or four years. And yeah, a bit like this, it's one of those, 
I don't feel like I need to watch it all the time because I always appreciate it. But then when you do watch it, you go, yeah, but I should definitely appreciate it more than I do, I think, really. (laughs) It just works on so many levels. And this is a fantastic uh, entry-level film, a lot of people have said. So if you've got someone who wants to get into horror, who Mm. possibly wants like an easy in, like we were saying, it's got fantastic horror, but because of the comedy, it kind of takes away from the horror and the gore to make it yeah. a lot more palatable for someone who isn't possibly quite so au okay with the with the genre, really. Mm. Well, I think I think it carries the balance much like American Werewolf. Mm. You know, in the it's sort of, I mean, um, American Werewolf obviously, you know, a bit much different in terms of you know certainly budgetary and number of actors and number of locations and stuff like that. But I think if you, not only that, but also if you want to just give someone a cabin in the woods film, it's Evil Dead too. Yeah. You know. Before you go camping, always, it's the one to show people just to <laughs> give them another reason that camping is wank. Yeah. That's why they call it wanking. <laughs> right. So for our next episode, which is mm. going to be out in the beginning of November, we were discussing earlier um, <laughs> because I had fucked the dates up and thought it was going to be our last <laughs> episode before Halloween. We were trying to find something truly Halloween. And it's funny because only this morning I was like, I know we've got a list of stuff that we should have covered and we haven't. But I was like, what is the film most of all that we should have covered, but we yet haven't. And then Adam said, as soon as I said, right, we need to do something Halloween. Adam immediately came back with, we haven't covered Poltergeist. Mm. And I was like, that's the exact same film that entered my mind not an hour before that text message. <laughs> so clearly we're both on the same page that we really need to cover that as a classic that 120 odd episodes in. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of classics that are classics, but you don't need to add it to your repertoire necessarily i think they draw people in but you don't Mm. need to get to see it to get a subgenre perhaps but this film and and adam and i both said the same we both really appreciate it neither of us have probably seen it in a decade so yeah it's definitely due has there been a poltergeist in any of the other films that we've seen uh ghost watch yeah, yeah. Which again is much more of a spoof documentary or a yeah. live footage. Whereas this is serious, this one. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, so, Ghostwatch was. Don't you malign Ghostwatch? I watched that in the week as well. I didn't add it to the list because. Good man. I watch it all the fucking time. Um, <laughs> also, mentioned earlier, Joe Watson was the name of the poltergeist in the Enfield Haunting. So. Uh, That's true. We're watching it's all come full circle. Touchy, noisy, full. Um, <laughs> Adam's giving me a funny look. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, I, you know, touchy, noisy is in that's what pole guys do. Not just, I'm not accusing yeah. him of being inappropriate. No, I didn't. I, I, I assumed you were discussing the pole guys and not and, and not, not Joe was. <laughs> yeah, but I think no. There's a. It's in a weird way. It's quite reassuring. 
that you are and okay we've done divergences you know there is no no one is going to argue with you from you know any standpoint that say i don't know like say thanks killing mm. is not that's never going to trouble a hundred horror films you must see before you die uh, and come back from the dead sort of list that the but in general we do tend to stick to you know good heavy hitters and uh the the less explored ends of things but it is quite reassuring that it's like you can get to 120 odd episodes and it's like you've still got poltergeist to watch you've still got you know session nine or yeah any a number of uh, films that we've got on our list that we're not going to dive, dive on to you, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that's the thing. I think with our, our aim, as we said, was to kind of cover the genre as a whole. So, yeah. you know, all of the decades, all of the subgenres. So that's not just hitting all of the classics beat for beat. Cause I mean, that's, that's, you know, not boring, but, you know what I mean? Like, if we just did, right, we're going to do Elm Street this week, we're going to do Halloween next week, we're going to do Friday the 13th, then we're going to do Poltergeist, then we're going to do Chucky. It's like everybody covers that stuff. And although it's important to, to hit those, if we are bringing new people into the fold, we also need to delve deeper than just, you know, just going on IMDb and typing in top 100 horror films. Like, anyone can do that. They don't need any inside mm. guidance, which is what I feel that we kind of bring to the table and possibly why people listen. Well, if anything, if we, if we manage to get more people watching, say, a dark song, then that is definitely a good enough fucking reason to cover that. 100%. <laughs> and, and, that, and it's funny because that episode had a really good listen rate, as I remember. Not really good. I mean... For us, it was pretty good. Um, because sometimes well, it wasn't, it wasn't more just, than five, <laughs> it wasn't the, just the bloke from the dirty man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Like, it's it's one of those when we're deciding episodes, sometimes we say, right, we, sh- we should hit the big, the big things because it'll bring li- new listeners in who aren't necessarily listening and get them involved, which is what we want, but at the same time. Yeah, you don't just want to be playing to the audience every time because, or not playing to the audience, sorry, trying to gain a bigger audience because then you kind of lose your niche. So, yeah, we can't. Well, yeah, because you, you, you're choosing it under the basis that I think that's the point is the majority of the time, anything that we're choosing is because we want to watch it mm-hmm. ra- yeah. rather than, oh, you know, that'll get people to. interested. Yeah. And that's the thing, we want, we want to choose episodes that are right for the people who are listening for the right reasons. So the people who are listening because they're learning <laughs> along with us, that is our goal, and not just because if we put an episode out on a, on a well-known film, it will suddenly hit loads of people with hashtags and loads of new listeners will join us. So I think you and explained that perfectly. And we're certainly not recording this for those you, few people who just listen to this for a wank. <laughs> there's, there's probably actually but, quite a lot of them, but but if you are, there are. I don't think anyone. Well, like <laughs> the internet I've is a strange no place. If you are. I mean, if it works, let, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you'd like us to 
to I mean, do for I mean, you. Let's let's face it, it's there's horror films. <laughs> well, well, not actually, no. We'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just do it. We'll just watch a Jordan Peele film and then we can put it up as here, Lee Moan. <laughs> <laughs> actually, saying that though, we should cover Get Out, shouldn't we? Because that's one of his that Lee really likes. We should cover Get Out, but then we, we should cover, cover Baba Hotep. We should cover Session Nine. We should cover. Oh, uh, don't say anymore. Don't say anymore. Oh, no. Oh. Did we not cover Get Out? We talked about it on us. A lot. Yeah, I think quite that a few was okay. we, Yeah. But I don't think we ever... I mean, to be honest, I think the Us episode is pretty much our Get Out episode as well because we discussed yeah, it at length and basically it. said, have you ever seen The Sorcerers with Boris Carl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fair, really. Um... <laughs> Yes, so before I ramble any longer, you might have noticed <laughs> I've still got this three-week cold and I'm still <laughs> drinking a lot of cough syrup. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will see you in a fortnight's time for Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And in, oh, have a fantastic Halloween between now and then. And we will see yeah, you happy all. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Good night. Hey. Good night. Seven more days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Seven more days to Halloween. See you very soon.